You're listening to Golf Yeah, your masterclass in the lives, lessons, and aspirations of people who've built successful businesses and rewarding careers based on their love for the game of golf. Whether it's the obstacles they faced, the success they've achieved, or advice they offer, Golf Yeah provides the motivation and blueprint to convert your passion for golf into a full or part-time endeavor. Or maybe you just enjoy hearing stories from people who know a hell of a lot about the game. Either way, let's start exploring the business side of golf with your host, Gordon Andrew. If there's such a thing as an accidental career, or a career that's discovered rather than pursued, then that may describe the story you're about to hear from Evan Schiller, who over the last 20 years has established himself as one of the premier golf course photographers in the world. Evan started out with a love for the game of golf, and during the first part of his career as a PGA golf professional, he gained a firsthand understanding of every aspect of the game as a club professional and in tournament play. And during that period, he discovered two things that shaped the future direction of his life. First, Evan discovered that he possessed an artist's eye for nature's beauty. And more specifically, he saw the beauty of the golf courses he was playing on. Secondly, Evan discovered that he could make a living by capturing with a camera the beauty that he witnessed. So with no formal training, a simple Minolta camera, and a whole lot of courage, Evan followed his passion to begin what has become a highly successful business and rewarding career. Shooting from the ground, lifts, helicopters, and now drones, Evan brings a fresh perspective to each project he undertakes. He scouts out each golf course he photographs with the goal of capturing its unique features and nuances under optimal lighting conditions, which means being in the right spot at the right time, waiting for the sun to rise or the sun to set, and hoping that something unexpected won't spoil the shot. Evan has photographed hundreds of championship courses in the United States, Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, Ireland, Scotland, South Africa, and Japan. He's captured and left his own distinctive mark on some of the most recognized tracks around the world, including Pebble Beach Golf Links, Augusta National Golf Club, Medina Country Club, the Old Course at St. Andrews, Royal County Down, and Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. Evan's work is published in numerous national and international magazines, books, and calendars, including the Master's Journal, U.S. Open Magazine, Ryder Cup Journal, Lynx Magazine, Golf Digest, Golf Magazine, and the Golf Course Architecture Magazine. Evan's photography is exclusively featured in his two highly acclaimed books, Golf Courses of Hawaii and Golf's Unfolding Drama. In addition, Evan continues to publish his own award-winning Golf Shots calendar. Evan is an officially licensed photographer for the Pebble Beach Company and Bandon Dunes. The dramatic shot Evan captured of the 2009 7th hole at Pebble Beach appeared on the cover of the 2010 U.S. Open program. In the interest of full disclosure, the Golf Yeah podcast is officially a fan of Evan Schiller, not only because he's given us permission to use his photographs on our website's homepage, but because we think his photographs are works of art. So Evan, thank you for allowing us to showcase your work and for participating in this podcast today. Welcome to Golf Yeah. Thank you, Gordon. It's really great to be here. We're honored to have you. So I, we thought we'd start with uh, your golfing backstory, you know, and what sparked your interest in the game and how and why you became a PGA pro. Yeah. Wow. I started off playing golf when I was very young. My father was a huge influence because he played. He was never a professional, but he probably got at best to a single digit. And I remember going to the driving range or 
going to play golf with him. So he really is one of my interests. And, you know, through high school, college, even out of college, I played tournament golf. In fact, when I got out of college, I didn't think I really wanted to play tournament golf. But my father, again, kind of pushed me and he said, you know, why don't you give it a try? I mean, if it doesn't work out, you, there's lots of options. And so I played tournament golf for quite a while. And I think when I started to suit, I just changed directions. I worked at a couple of clubs in the Westchester area, Quaker Ridge and uh, Westchester Country Club. But the real interest in photographing golf courses actually happened uh, was one year when I was playing in the California Open out in the California desert in the summer, and it was about 120 degrees. And while we were playing a tournament, somebody said, you know, there's a new golf course down the road that you guys should check out that was designed by Pete Dye. Turns out it was the stadium course at PGA West. So my buddy and I went over there the day after the tournament finished. We were not really early because we wanted to beat the heat. And I recall coming down the ninth hole, which is a par four, has this bunker running the almost the length of the fairway on the right. And then you have this Pete Dye's signature railroad ties running along the side of the bunker. And then to the right of that was a lake. And in front of us was this huge mountain. And it was so beautiful, you know, the sun hitting the mountain and the hole. I said, you know, I got to start bringing a camera with me. So, you know, I went home, I got a camera and started taking it with me up to tournaments and just for fun, taking pictures, golf courses, my friends, I hang them on my wall, I give them to my friends. That's how it got started in a way. But it wasn't until a few years later when I was working at, as an assistant professional at Westchester Country Club, where some of the people I work with there said, you know, you ought to consider putting some of these photos in the pro shop and sell them. And I kind of laughed at that whole, that prospect, because I really didn't think it was good enough. And so with their pushing me, I put a few pictures up in the shop. And the next thing you know, I started to sell them. And that was it. I was off and running because then I did it at a few other clubs in the area. And that's how it got a, got kickstarted many you, years ago. Were you shooting with a 35 millimeter from yeah. the outset? Yeah, a 35 millimeter film camera, you know, that you had a little metal little rolls of film that you had to roll and then wind and you know then it was done you had to take it out you know at first when i was doing shoots you know i'd have i'd come home with these bags of film that you know you know had to send to the lab and or you know i'd send to the originally i started bring to the lab but then labs that started processing film closed down so i had to start sending them to labs so it was quite a production now you were shooting in color not slide you were shooting actually film to make prints because that's expensive isn't it yeah well I, it was at first it was slides you know first it was just it wasn't slide film because you know i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and then eventually it was shooting slide film and as i started to learn then i got a, a medium format camera so there was you know large but it was still film and yeah it got expensive buying the film shipping it getting it processed you know, I think back to those days, you know, you'd go out and shoot and you never know what you got until you got the film back. <laughs> I remember shooting so much film, you know, bracketing everything, you know, underexposing, overexposing, exposing what you thought was right. Just run the gamut just to make sure you got it right because you never knew. 
you know, and then you get it back and you're looking, oh, phew, okay, I got it right. But you, know, you were self-taught. I mean, how did you learn about f-stops and shutter speeds and all that technical stuff that you need to know? I had a couple friends who were photographers and I it just, I kind of learned it, you know, myself, you know, some of it the hard way. Trial and error, yeah. Yeah, some of it the hard way. I remember when I was first taking photos, you know, you look out at a scene and looks really beautiful. You take the shot, you get the film back, and you look at it and you go, ugh, that's not what I saw. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so how many years were you actually employed as a professional golfer in some form or fashion before you made the jump to photography? Wow, let's see. I played tournament golf probably from for about six or seven years. Then I worked as an assistant. I was still playing tournament golf. I was working as an assistant. And so, I, you know, probably eight to ten years, somewhere in there. Okay. Now, when you say tournament golf, are you talking about PGA Tour events? or? Well, I did play some PGA Tour. I never had my PGA. I never had my tour card, but I played in probably about ten events because they still have them, the Monday qualifiers, where I think it's changed, you know, where you go to the spot on a Monday. They'd have anywhere between 175 spots and four guys would make it. Somebody just told me the other day, oh, that's changed. Now they have four sites and, you know, with that many guys and one spot at each. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's changed. So I have to happen to play well in a few of them and get in. Uh, so I played, you know, I played mini tours. There was the, there was like the secondary tours, which is now, you know, eventually developed into the web.com tour. It was called the nationwide tour. It was the second tour I played in that played in Canada, played a little bit in Europe, played South African tour. So, yeah, played around. Okay. What was your best uh, tour event that uh, where you maybe walked away with a little bit of money? The tour event I walked away with a little bit of money was in well, – I'm trying to remember. Come back to me on that one. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, was your dad still around? No, he's not. Okay. Was he around when you made the transition from golf to photography? Mm. He, about the time, yeah, well, actually, that's about the time he passed away. So it was oh, okay. kind of that, yeah, it started to. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered if he had any reaction to that since he was the one that encouraged you to, to play golf. So I don't think he passed away about the time I was making the okay. transition. Okay. Now, your resume says you're also a coach with Extraordinary Golf. What is that? Yeah. Extraordinary Golf, this golf school started, oh, I think in the early 90s by Fred Shoemaker golf schools, mainly in California, the home base is at Carmel Valley Ranch. And it's a whole different, I would say, perspective or way of coaching. To put it very, I'll give you to it briefly, that a lot of teaching, not just in golf, is putting in information. Like if, you know, the teacher has the answer and you need to go to the teacher to get to get better because they have the answer. Whereas extraordinary golf, I think recognizes that the genius is in the student and you create an environment where the genius in that student can come out and they're guided by their own awareness, their own natural instincts to develop their golf game. It's also an environment where there's, see people learn in an environment where there's no evaluation. There's no good or bad, right or wrong. You're free to explore and test out things and see what works and what doesn't work. And extraordinary golf provides that an environment where you're free to explore what works, what doesn't work, what's appropriate for you. You know, basically what's the swing that's most appropriate for 
you or Gordon or whoever. Yeah. And, and the coaches support that. Okay. I have a feeling that I, they'll put me in the grade before my golfing genius will emerge. But <laughs> <laughs> something something to look forward to. Yeah. So let's get back to photography for a yeah. second. You have to balance running a small business with practicing your photography crafts. How do you do that? Yeah. Is that a challenge? Um, at times. At busy times, yeah. I have a very loving wife who supports me in any way she can. She helps me a lot of writing and marketing and things like that. But as far as, you know, the, all the other work, yeah, it's sometimes it's a challenge, especially, you know, in busy season, like, you know, busy season starting to come up, you know, from April till pretty much through December is pretty busy season for me. Yeah. So it's a challenge to, you know, when I go on a shoot, I could be away for anywhere between three days and two weeks. Uh, then you got to come back and I have somebody who helps me out, but I still have to edit images and, you know, got to do color correcting, you do your retouching, and then you got to get them back to the client and then you're off to your next shoot. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk a little bit about the kinds of assignments that you take on. Wow. Wow. They're mostly, I would say, a lot of resort and private courses. I would say that's the majority of it. It's a mix of that. I have to think about what I get do more of. But they'll use the photography for marketing or for their yeah, websites, or generally somebody, a course will call me because they, you know, I'm talking to a few courses now. In fact, headed to Florida on Saturday. You know, they want to revamp their website, so they want photographs of all 18 holes, so they could put it on their website and have somebody be able to go through and look at all the 18 holes. Plus, they want some video done that you know they could have like a little intro video on their homepage. But generally, yeah, courses will hire me because they want the photos for their marketing, you know, social media in-house, you know, like private clubs sometimes, in-house marketing, like emails and things like that. Some of them even hang them on the walls of the clubhouse. Sure. Uh, but that's generally what they want them for. Now, who owns the rights to the photography after you shoot a course? They, I give full usage rights. In other words, they're permitted to use them in any way they want for their marketing, collateral, email, social media. But I also maintain rights to use them for, you know, my website or my social media, unless we agree otherwise. You know, there are clubs that say, listen, we want complete control. We want ownership of the photos. And then I might just have to structure a different type of deal. Okay. Is there a lot of competition for what you do? I mean, do they put out an RFP and you have to respond or compete with another photographer? How does that work? Yes, sometimes you do. You know, what's interesting is that in the past, it seemed like there was more of them. And now... I'm getting a lot of requests where I've got a number of clients who rehire me, but now it seems like there's more and more people who have seen my work or are aware of my work who say, you know what, we want you to do this. Well, that's a good sign. It shows that you're recognized. So there's used to be in the past, there was more, you know, sending more RFPs and men still do, but it seems like there's more jobs where it's, they have somehow, whatever reason, they've decided they want me to do it. Do you envision yourself ever getting to the point where you say, I don't compete, either you hire me or not? <laughs> Why are you laughing? At the, I mean, you have the stature to do that. Um, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Try it out. I don't know. <laughs> 
I guess if I was so overbooked, yeah. Well, okay. But it sounds like you're getting there. I mean, the fact that you're being selected solely more frequently suggests that, you know, you have a reputation and people want the best, so they equate that with you. Yeah, so it's been really, you know, the last two, three years, three or four years, been a really nice run. So you say your wife helps you market your services. I mean, what? how does she do that? Well, that's she's a marketer. She's not in photography, but in what she does. And she does a lot of writing, helps with presentations. So she's she's a good writer, editor. She helps write, you know, some of the text from my calendar, edits a lot of it. You know, if I need a bio or need, you know, I'll, if I need to write a letter or even if I need to send a proposal, I'll write it and then send it past her and, you know, see what you think. Okay. I notice you're on LinkedIn quite a bit. Does she do those posts and do you find that they drive business, that visibility? I, she doesn't do that. I've taken to doing that for oh, now. Okay. okay. <laughs> but no, she's not that versed in social media yet. <laughs> Are we going to have to cut this out of the uh, out of the interview <laughs> for the sake of your marriage? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, But do you find you get uh, referrals or business through your LinkedIn posts? Does that work um, for you? Yes. I would say the biggest source of referrals are people who have come to me because, you know, they want to purchase a print or they want to hire me seems to come through Instagram. Oh, okay. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram seems to be the biggest up and coming social media platform as far as I can tell. Yeah. And it's great for what I do or photographers because sure. it's basically it's geared for that. Yep. So you're the official photographer of Pebble Beach and Bandon Dunes. And how do you get those sorts of designations? I can't tell you. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you have to kill me, right? <laughs> okay. Well, Pebble Beach, they have a um, a handful of what they call licensees who have been designated officially licensed, not photographers, but there's artists as well who, you know, will they sign a contract with them basically gives you the right to take photos of Pebble Beach, paint Pebble Beach, and then sell them. And But you pay them a, a royalty of what you do. In fact, some, you have to pay an advance on it, actually. You pay them a royalty for the, you know, to be able to do that. Okay. The same uh, thing with Bandon Dunes? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Have yep. you played all of the Bandon Dunes courses? I have, yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you play a lot? Last year I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was traveling okay. a, a lot of days and a lot of miles last year. I didn't play a whole heck of a lot. Did you used to play the courses before you photographed them? Was that a, a ritual or has it been lost? It depends. You know, you know, when I do a shoot, it's pretty involved and all-encompassing because I go out, I usually go out early. Oh, no, I always go out early. You know, I'm out there before the sunrise. And then, you know, for the first two, two and a half hours in the morning, I shoot. Then, you know, usually go grab some breakfast. Then I go go back and charge batteries and download images, and go through stuff just to check. I always like to check everything. You know, by the time you do all that and, you know, you pack up everything, it's almost time to go back out and shoot. You know, it might be time to go hit some balls, or play a few holes sometimes here and there, but it's a pretty involved thing. Do the courses just give you a cart and say, okay, you know, go have at it, or do they yeah. tag around with you and uh, give you direction or art direction? 
generally they give me a cart and just let me go. Sometimes somebody from the club will go with me, not necessarily to tell me what to do, but just to make sure everything goes all right. You know, they may ahead of time said, you know, we'd like a shot of here, a shot of here, a shot of here. But sometimes, you know, the marketing person will go with me or even the superintendent will send somebody with me in case, you know, I need a bunker raked or I need a green mode or I need something done. I need a sprinkler turned off or something like that. So sometimes the superintendent will send me with somebody as an assistant. Okay. Um, By the way, you mentioned Pebble Beach before. I want to let you know, I am also a member of the Chivas Iron Society. Yeah. I'm interviewing Ben Klein uh, next yep. uh, later this week. He yeah. mentioned your name. You are their official photographer. Is that? I wouldn't say that. I know they use some of my photos. They feature some of my photos on their website oh, and okay. they use them for you know their website. And I've, Known of, I've known Ben for a while, and I've been aware of the Shivas Iron Society for a long time. Yeah. The problem um, there is fewer people have read the book, so it's tougher to get people interested. Yeah, you know? so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I did have the pleasure of meeting Michael Murphy on several occasions. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask him about that. He probably doesn't well, remember. <laughs> who, Michael Murphy? Yeah. Well, that's, he's probably been smoking too much. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that out, I'm sure. So let me... <laughs> I, I would tell you the story when I met him, but you're definitely going to have to cut it out. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> let me ask you, let's go back to the subject at hand. Do you have a preference for any one type of golf course architecture, either to photograph or to play on? I mean, you've seen it all. Yeah. I notice that I tend to gravitate towards a more linksy kind of look of golf course but that doesn't mean there aren't others that i don't really love but that just seems to be my preference you've played i would imagine that the historically significant courses in ireland and scotland i would imagine yes okay i noticed you played royal county down which i had the honor to play badly many years ago did you photograph that what is the coming into the ninth hole there which is kind of the quintessential royal county down shot yeah well, i it's you know, if somebody said, you know, what's your favorite course, I'd have to say that it's probably it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, okay. It's pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that your answer to my question about if you had to play only one course for the rest of your life, what would it be? Wow. That or Fisher's Island, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just two really good ones. Have um, you played Cypress? I have. Yeah, that one oh. would probably be up there, too. Okay. So when you go on a shoot, do you have to bring a lot of equipment with you? And is that problematic in traveling? Yes, I do bring a still camera, you know, but then there's all the, you know, you got your batteries and your chargers and memory cards, tripod for the camera. And then I travel with a drone, which is, I don't know if it's problematic. Sometimes it can be in foreign countries. It's just an extra thing of, luggage because the type of drone I use can't really take on the plane. I got to check it, but I have taken to shipping it because it just makes it a lot easier. I have a couple of drones, so I could actually have one shipped to a site and still have one, which I found just makes life a lot easier because I can ship it. It's there. I don't have to worry about losing it on an airplane or not getting there. Yeah. So, so talk to me about drones a little bit. I mean, how, was that a, long, a steep learning curve for you to figure out how to work that technology? It took a while to, you know, get the thing up in the air and point it in the general direction you want. That's not too 
difficult maneuvering it, you know, making subtle little maneuvers or having to, like, if you wanted to, like, there was a hole where you had to maneuver the thing between two trees and, yeah, gotta let it hover there and the wind is blowing. That takes a little bit more doing because, you know, you don't want to hit the tree because if it hits the tree, it's probably coming down. Not the tree, the drone. Right. Have you lost any drones? I haven't lost any. I haven't had too many. I only had a couple of mishaps, but that was early on. Yeah. Have drones become kind of a prerequisite now for photographers in being hired? Do they all want drone shots in addition to stills? A lot of people do. Yeah, I noticed that one of the reasons that I've gotten hired, I think, is because people like the drone shots. But they also, the next couple of courses I'm going to be shooting, they want you know the still images of the golf course, but they also want some video, you know, flyovers or videos of the clubhouse or things like that. So there are more and more people are asking for it. Do you edit the drone footage? Because I would imagine you're shooting a whole lot. But your only problem, you only use a clip that's 15 seconds long. I do edit it. Usually, you know, if I say take a clip that's, I mean, they're really not more than a minute, you do it. But usually it gets cut down. You know, if you're going to do a like a 30-second or a 15-second clip that includes numerous clips, you know, they're not very long either. So, yeah, they're usually being cut down. But it's always nice to have more to work with and less. What's the toughest assignment you've ever had, either still or drone or combination? Hmm. One particularly stands out in terms of either difficult people or difficult environment? Um, You don't have to name names. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Well, hmm. That's with Michael Murphy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I trying to think. I can't think of anything that was particularly difficult per se, but, you know, it might have been difficult because of weather. Like I shoot a golf course in Ireland a couple of years ago. You know, they wanted all 18 holes shot. Well, it took me a, a year. Week. It took me a week. <laughs> and usually if the weather's good, you could do it in a couple of days or, you know, two and a half days. It took me a week. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> How do you allocate for that? I mean, when you're pricing out a job and you think it's going to be three days and it turns out to be a week, is there a clause in there that allows you to charge uh, more? Yeah, it just it's, it's written. It's a hard one because, you know, you say to somebody, listen, here's my day rate. And it could, you know, well, how long does it take? Well, if the weather's good, it'll take, you know, three days. But if the weather's bad, it's going to take 10 days. <laughs> you can't say that I'm going to charge you 10 days because I'm going to go, no way. So I usually, what I do is if somebody asks me to shoot all 18 holes, I usually give them a flat rate for it. And, you know, I realize there's somewhat inherent risk uh, in saying, hey, it's this, but then it ends up taking me longer. I mean, they'll have to pay, they'll have to cover my, like, let's say I've allocated three days and it ends up taking a week, you know, they cover my expenses. They have to pay for beer in the book. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. They okay. And that, beer. that could exceed your fee though, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the only other thing I can think of is when somebody asks me to, I wouldn't say it's challenging. It's, it just takes longer and it's challenging because of weather. As somebody said, I want video and stills of all 18 holes. So you got to do a video of each hole and you got to do a still wow. of each hole which I had to do at a course last year, just so it turns out the weather was perfect. So oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that one could take a while. 
So are you on the road most, I mean, how many months or weeks of the year are you actually away from home? Last year, it was probably close to half the year. Wow. Yeah. You're sitting up front in airplanes then, right? You got sometimes, a lot of sometimes frequent flyer miles. <laughs> I try to whenever I can sometimes, yeah. Do you, Especially when do you, I go cross country or overseas. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about photography in general. Are you a student of photography? I mean, do you have, mm. other than golf photography, do you have a couple photographers that you consider to be role models for you in terms of how you shoot courses? Or uh, I don't know that they've, yeah, I guess so. There's been, um, Trying to think, I don't know how much influence has had on shooting golf courses, but I guess on some level it has. There's a uh, photographer whose work I've followed for a long time. He's a wonderful landscape photographer. His name is Christopher Burkett. I would imagine a lot of people haven't heard of him. He's a very unique process that he does. He usually spends maybe two months of a year shooting, and he spends 10 months a year making his prints in his own lab by himself. He does sebachromes, which is a lost art. They don't, you can't even get the paper anymore. You can't get the chemicals. And basically, I think he bought up all the paper and chemicals and stores it in his freezer. And he has his lab and it's this painstaking process he goes to to get all these images right, which I just thought was amazing that, you know, here's a guy who spends two months a year shooting and the rest he's creating these beautiful prints, which I have hanging on my wall. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. What do they go for? I don't, I'm not. <laughs> you yeah, got to well, sell them several thousand, I would imagine. Oh, there's a couple in here that are worth, you know, ten grand. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. When I bought them, there was, you know, I bought them for fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. How old is he? I want to guess he's somewhere around seventy now, seventy-five, oh, okay. somewhere in there. He lives out okay. in Oregon. Okay. I just thought I was just amazed at the process that he goes through. When they made the transition from film to digital, was that an easy or difficult transition for you? The film I shot with was called Fuji Velvia. And it's like it's like giving up sugar. <laughs> it is. It's like, you know, sugar I mean you put sugar on anything, it tastes great. But giving up Velvia was like it was really like giving up sugar. It was so sweet. Oh, really? It was so sweet. I mean the color saturation was amazing. And it was probably the film of choice for a lot of landscape photographers at one point. Even I know a lot of golf course photographers used it. And I remember shooting with digital and thinking, God, no matter what I do, it's never going to look like that. Huh. They can't enhance it anyway? Oh, you can. Digitally. Yeah, just, I can. You know, it takes some doing, but, you know, then it, you don't want it to look weird. But, yeah. The Fuji Velvia, the colors were just amazing. At times, it got a little bit too contrasty, but you know, it was an amazing film. I still have some. I don't use it. I still have some in my freezer. Maybe but, you can sell it to that guy out in yeah, uh, Oregon. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now it seems, you know, when you look at how far digital has come and how good it is now, and the how easy it makes the workflow. I mean, you know, you go take a photo. You look at it on your back of your camera, you go to your computer, you look at it, and, you know, within, you know, an hour of taking the thing, you can have it, or even less, you can have it posted on social media, you know, all edited and retouched. Sure. Yeah. And to your earlier point, get an indication of what you shot. You don't have to wait for a developed print oh, to figure out whether it yeah. came off, right? Well, one of the things I noticed when I did the transition, 
you know, when you shot film, you get all these transparencies back and you have to go through them. And they came in strips. You know, when you start, when I start yep. shooting medium format, they would come in strips of, you know, it was 10 shots to a roll, which is a joke. You know, I mean, <laughs> shoot 10 shots, you'd have to reload, shoot 10 shots, reload. I mean, so, you know, you go through the airport, you got like a bag. What is that stuff? Well, it's film. Well, okay, well, I have to look at each one of them. Like, oh, my God. God. Exactly. And then you look at it. Sometimes, I remember going to Hawaii. Every time I go to Hawaii, you go through the airport, they would dump the bag out, and the guy would look and wipe off every one of them. Oh, oh my God. God. And I didn't want to ship them because I was afraid of losing them. Wouldn't you scratch them doing that? No, no. They were rolled up. I said, well, he goes open. And I said, can't. It's film. It'll be ruined. Oh, they hadn't been developed. No, no, they're not developed. Oh, oh okay. they would come in a roll. And you roll it up, and it would. And there was yeah. a little adhesive thing that would wrap yep. around, sure. seal it. But you'd have to go through an airport, and the guy would look at it and go, "What is this?" I said, it's "Film." Well, I have to look at it. I said, "Well, you can't open it." So, but they'd look at it. They wipe the outside. Anyway, so you get it back, and then it was a strip of film, and you'd have to look at it, and you cut it, and you put it in, you know, in sleeves. Yeah. I know. Marked them and then send them to the client. And I remember a couple of times sending it and they go, what is this? Because they had already gotten used to getting digital. Right. And they go, what is this? I said, it's film. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I said, use it. That's when I realized, okay. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Because they they're going to hire you. No, they were. I said, well, I can't. What is this stuff? It's yeah. film. So here's a silly question. And this is equivalent to you don't buy a truck because then everyone will ask you to move stuff. So do people ask you to take pictures at weddings and other family events? Is that because, you know, you're a, quote, photographer, so you're a handy resource for them? Does that happen? Uh, once in a while, you know, somebody will say, well, you know, and if it's good friends, yeah, you know, can you take pictures of my dogs or can you take pictures of my kids? <laughs> or, you know, there's a, I don't know how it happened, but every year it seems like I get a phone call or two from somebody around here said, oh, my son's getting married. Can you shoot his wedding? Yeah. Or I'm having a big party at my house. Can you come shoot it, you know, for an afternoon? Do you have a standard phrase that you give them or a short one? No, I just, I, you know, I do. I send them a price. It's ridiculous. Oh, That's okay. <laughs> Listen, if they're willing to do it for this, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. No, that's a good strategy. I, 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 just, I said, you know what? I just may not be the guy for this and maybe call this person or this person. Oh, okay. I've always thought that doing a wedding is the scariest thing. Because if you score a golf shot, you can go back and do it. But you only get one shot at a wedding. You know? I know. So you it's a high way? risk. Can you guys get married again tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just sorry, fake my, it? my camera was on the glitch. <laughs> right. Anyway, so talk to me a little bit about your personal life. Do you have hobbies other than golf? Do you travel on vacation since you're on the road so much? I have no life. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. I shoot golf courses. I have no life. Other than, well, yeah, play golf. I, you know, it's funny when... My wife and I go on vacation. We go – one of the places we love to go is the Dominican Republic. And usually every year in either November or December, I go to Dominican because we love it down there. And we play golf. You know, here's what we do. We found this great place. It's actually at – I don't know if you heard of a Cap Cana. It's where uh, Punta Spada Golf Club is within the complex of Cap Cana. And Punta Spada is one of my favorite places in the world. It's such a beautiful golf course. It has eight holes on the Caribbean. It's it's a wonderful Jack Nicholas design. And then they have 
this hotel down the road, which is, we love. You get a room, you can basically jump in the water. So we get up in the morning, exercise, we may read, we eat breakfast, we hang out, we go play golf, come back, I relax, we eat dinner, go to bed, do it again the next day. Wow. And that's our vacation, and that's we great. love it. You do that in the winter, typically? Yeah, yeah we usually do it okay. once a year, like in November or December, when things slow down. Okay. Do you have a uh, personal source of inspiration? Because you're really, you're in business for yourself. Yeah. So kind of staying motivated and energized, what do you do? I just really, I love, love what I do. <laughs> I don't feel like I have to get motivated. Every shoot I go on, I can't wait to get there. It just seems like another adventure. Yeah. So as to get to do it, I don't, you know, there's no motivation. Other, I love doing it. It's fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, because a lot of people that are in business for themselves, like you, will read self-help books or they'll have motivational speakers that they'll listen to. But that's really an interesting answer. You know, I think, honestly, my work with extraordinary golf has really made a huge difference. <laughs> extraordinary golf is a lot more than just about golf. It's about, you know, self-discovery. And I think when people come to that golf school, they learn a lot more about, they learn a lot about themselves and what can make a difference in their lives in addition to golf. You know, one of the reasons games were invented were that people could go do this thing called the game, whatever it was. And they could do the game in a safe environment where they could learn things that would be valuable that they could take out to their lives. That's why games were invented. They weren't the real deal. You know, our cultures turned them into like games are really important. Now, if you're doing it for a living, that's one thing. But most people aren't playing golf for a living. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, they're just being a part of that's made a huge difference in the rest of my life and what I do. Uh, you know, and I love doing it. I love every part of it. Yeah. You know, somebody said the other day, you know, do you edit your all images or video? And, and I said, yes. He goes, oh, that must be tiring. I went, no, I actually like doing it. <laughs> well, you'll get tired of that. Uh, well, I've been doing it for 20 years and I haven't gotten tired of it. Well, but that's one of my questions, actually. I mean, <laughs> do you ever plan to retire or you just kind of do less of it as you go along? I just or? figure I'll be out there in a golf course some way, taking a picture and just go, <clears throat> done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you know what? I don't know. The word retire just seems weird to me, you know, because you're going to do something. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's, you know, you may not get paid for it, but you're going to do something. Yeah. I could see myself doing something. You know, somebody said, if you had to come back, you had another life to do, what would you do? I said, I'd probably go to Africa and be a wildlife photographer and do some conservation work with, you know, helping to, you know, preserve the environment or preserve wildlife over there because what's going on. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. No, it's scary. Um, yeah. So, I would probably do something that's, you know, with kids or with the environment or something like that, just because they want to. Okay. Let me circle back, you know, to the front part of the conversation. Do you have any advice? I mean, you made the big leap. You made a big yeah. career change. Took a lot of courage, I think, to do that. Yeah. So do you have any advice for people who want to make a change in careers that's drastic and maybe a little bit scary? Yeah. There's a great book. It's actually the title of the book, I think because I read it a long time ago. And it essentially says, and a friend of mine said the same thing in a way. It says, do what you love and the money will follow. That's the name of the book. And I had a friend of mine say to me one time when I was going through this process and I wasn't sure, I said, ah, photographer, God, can you really make a living as a photographer? All I hear is for struggling photographers. And this guy said to me, he goes, I know a lot of photographers who are making a lot of money, doing really well. 
He goes, keep at it. <laughs> he said, do it. He goes, you can do really well, you know, at doing this. You know, I just figure if there's a lot of, and I see it around where I live here in Connecticut, a lot of kids are pushed in a certain direction. Adults or their parents think they should be, you know, you've got to grow up and be a professional or do this or, you know, there's a lot of pressure on getting a good job or making a lot of money, or, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But I find that people get into situations where they're doing things and, you know, if you ask them, well, what would you really like to do? You know, and they'll say something other than what they're doing. I said, well, why didn't you do that? Well, you know, we're, there's some excuse. And a lot of people said to me, well, you got the dream job. I said, yeah, well, I, no offense, I created it. <laughs> I chose to, you chose to do that. I chose to do this, you know, and there, yeah, I got a lot of criticism. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it because I really like it. And you know what, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, no, you're right. You know, I may get to a point where I said, listen, this isn't working. I'll do something. Now, I realize everybody else, people's circumstances are different, you know, whatever it is, financially. But yeah, I always kind of keep that title of that book in mind, you know, do what you love. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks. You find so, a way. Listen, I figure you find a way. Here's my last question, Evan, because I've killed your morning here. Give us some plugs here. I mean, how do people fun. learn more about your service or purchase your calendar or photographs? I mean, what? Give, give us a commercial, uh, unless you need to bring your wife in to no, do no, this. No, I don't know if you're going to publish this, but this is my friend, Steve, who I dearly love. And we're, one day we're, it was after the day of golf, and we asked Steve, so what did you, anything you learned today? And Steve says, I may not be much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs> and then the corollary to that is, he said, he goes, I'm tired of talking about myself. What do you think about me? So... <laughs> So it's cool. I get to talk about myself, right? <laughs> That's okay. Hey, you've earned it. So, um, so plug your stuff. How do people find you? They, How do they buy your calendar? And by the way, it. I bought two of them this year, and I gave them away as Golfia Thank premiums. You. Yeah, so, I really appreciate yeah. it. My um, pleasure. Well, they can find me on my website. It's golfshots.com. That's one. Shots with a T, right? Golf shots. Plural. Right. Golfshots.com. Okay. You know, they can... The best way to keep up with what I'm doing on a, you know, kind of a weekly and a daily basis is they can follow me on Instagram, Evan Schiller Photography, Twitter or Instagram. That's probably, I'm the most active on those. That's probably the best way to find me. Okay. Like now you've what? got a couple of books. Are they still in print? Are they still out They're there? They're kind of, Okay. it was a long time ago. I'm working on a new one. Oh, really? Yeah. When's um, that coming out? I don't know. It was coming and then it was kind of on hold. And But I got some ideas that, you know, I'd like to, you know, I don't know if you went in my calendar, you know, below each photo, there was a little caption that I wrote, you know, about the photo or what was going on while I took it or what went into it. I thought of doing a book that would be a uh, just a larger version of something like that. Okay. So here's my bonus question. Mm. Are you from Connecticut originally? No. I grew up in Westchester. Uh, oh, okay. in New York. And uh, the reason I moved up here is because my wife lived up here. And so that's how I ended up up here. Do you belong to a club now? Yale. Oh, you play at Yale? Yeah. But that's quite a hike from where you live, right? That's yeah, not about about an hour. Half an hour. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. great. I raised my family in Fairfield County. Oh, okay. I went to Brooklyn for a while. Have you ever oh, yeah. photographed that course? I have not. I've played there. I know where it is. It's, you know, yeah. 15 minutes from here, if that Old Tellinghouse course. Yeah. 
Hey, Evan, listen, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. And it's been interesting. And thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay. It's really great, Gordon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Yeah, featuring another success story from the business side of golf. Maybe it's time to get more serious about making golf the center of your life, not just the highlight of your weekend. Head over to GolfYeah.com for more great content, including show notes, testimonials, and links to valuable resources. That's G-O-L-F-Y-E-A-H.com. 